Hello, I'm Dr. Greg Winteregg, CEO of the Private Dentist Alliance. I want to talk to all of you students out there today who are wondering what your future is going to be like as a career in dentistry, as an assistant, as a hygienist, as a dentist, where is this profession going with the rapid increase of the DSO movement? I'm here to tell you the PDA is going to help you and I want you to become a member today. It is free. Now, why should you become a member? You're gonna get weekly video updates from me and you're gonna get regular updates of our newsletters from the Alliance on exactly what is happening and how we are going to help preserve and protect the private practice of dentistry. Now to me, the most important advantage is you are going to get access to our job board. What is that? Our private practicing members all have access to our PDA job board, which means if they have an opening in their private practice of assistant, hygienist, doctor, front office staff, they're going to be able to post it. And you're gonna be able to check up regularly. And as our membership grows, we're gonna be covering larger and larger territories across the United States. If you are looking for a job in any position in the office of a private practice, you need to become a student member today. It is free. Go to www.privatedental.org and become a student member today. You're going to love your benefits. Do it now. What is up, guys? It's your boy, Matt Havis, back at it with the Dental Survives podcast. Today, we have a very special guest on. We have Dr. Jose Roque practicing out of the Sarasota Greenberg Dental and Orthodontics. He's back on. He's discussing all things clinical. And today he sits down and talks about more humbling experiences about what to do if you have a less than stellar prognosis on a tooth that you're working on or doing anything in the mouth. So he talks about how to sit the patient up, how to keep that bedside manner, how to have that clear and open communication through difficult conversations, and ultimately how to maintain your professionalism through those tough times. He does a great job explaining it because ultimately we're all human and we will all face it. So just take, take what he says with a grain of salt and implement it into your practice. Let's just keep practicing those clinical pearls and let's just make sure that happens as minimal as possible over the course of your successful careers. So as always, follow us on Instagram at dental.student.vibes. Make sure you give us a like, comment, and review. Make sure that you share with a friend because we always love reaching out to everyone else. Let us know what we can do to make this the best podcast we can for you. So as always, let's stay safe and vibe on. So that, that, that's a perfect segue because I was going to ask you, you know, you talked about in Dominican Republic, you, you know, extracted the wrong tooth and you talked about you perfed on one of your endos. What do you do after you, like that problem happens? What do you do with the patient? What yeah. do you do with yourself? Yeah. I mean, well, I think, I think, you know, it's definitely not one of those fun conversations to have. Um, it's, it's very humbling and a little bit nerve wracking to see the patient up, take your gloves off sit knee to knee with them and kind of explain to them what happened. Sometimes you can kind of pave your way with word before so that it's not so like stressful for you to, you know, have that conversation with them. But you know, I think honesty is the best policy. You just try to be honest with them. You document well, mm -hmm. you get them to the right resource. Okay. Miss Sally, Joe, I broke a file in your tooth. Um, no worries. No charge for today. Um, here's, you know, put them on meds or just do whatever you need to do to like show intent mm -hmm. that you're like trying to ameliorate the situation, you know? And then you just like try to make it as easy for them. You've already have the front desk call the specialist for them. You already have them make their appointment for them. You want them to just feel like, okay, he might screwed up, but he's really trying like, mm -hmm. to try to like 
make the situation better. Again, not fun to have those conversations, broken file. Luckily for me, I've only perfed two teeth in my life. One was in residency, one was early on. So like, that's not a normal occurrence. Mm-hmm. Like I got more experience, like really identifying the floor and, and, and things like that mm-hmm. and um, using judgment, you know, with marmamentarium. But um, dentistry is very unpredictable. You know, it I, mean, is. I think the best thing you can do, pave your way with words, try your best, mm-hmm. just live to, live to work another day. And I mean, we're human too. So, you know, you're bound to make a mistake. Like, no matter, you know, society has this huge stigma that dentists, like anything medical, we have to be perfect, but you can't, you know, it's, it's impossible to be perfect in your craft. You know, you look at baseball players get paid hundreds of millions of dollars a year and they're only required to have a 33% batting average time. Like they want one hit every three times at bat, but you want us to do hundred percent effective treatment at all times. How do you do it? That, that's what you got to tell your patient. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That should only have to be you look at, I mean, well, that's, that's, I mean, I don't want to get political anything, but like, you know, in, in Florida, when they lobby towards like, you know, malpractice suits and everything, when they go after these exorbitant amounts of money against any healthcare professional, that's what, that's, that's an argument they make. Why not make somebody who gets paid hundreds of millions of dollars to play a sport be perfect, but you're going to make us be perfect because we work on, on people. You know, and that's just it because it's it's just a terrible stigma where we have to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. You know, you're human. I'm human. I expect to make mistakes someday. It's just how you deal with the mistakes, you know, and how you bounce back from it, you know, and how you handle it and how you handle yourself. Yeah, I I try to tell my patients. That's great, brother. I I try to tell my patients, um, you know, when I when I pave my way with words, um, I just try to paint it as just ugly as possible, man. Like I try to set expectations low. Because if you over, if you under um, promise and over deliver, like you look like a freaking rock star, you know, like they love you. Like, oh my goodness. You said it was going to be like painful, but it wasn't painful and, and stuff like that. But you know what, man, I just be real honest with my patients. Like there was a reason why dentistry or dentist was like high on the suicide rate not too long ago. I think it's like not number one anymore, but Air it's like top three. Yeah. That's number one. I don't know how, but. Okay. But it's like top three still, you know, and, and the biggest, I think, in my opinion, um, the biggest anxiety or biggest stress that comes from being dentist is twofold. I think that the actual work is very stressful. Like I think mm-hmm. our air scale is like less than a millimeter, like less than a millimeter wrong in a direction in, a, in an endo, you got a perf mm-hmm. or, you know, you got a strip or, or strip perf or, or something, you know, just it, things can change like that. So I think, you know, um, just uh, paving your way with words and just, and just um, yeah, just, I mean, just, just doing that, I think goes a long way. Definitely. And it's funny you talk about that, like in millimeter increments, you know, you look at the difference in dentistry versus everything else. Oh, you measure something if it's not all right. It's okay. You just, you hedge the risk, whatever. The only thing that is more exact than dentistry is watchmaking. That's the only profession that works in smaller increments. Than dentists. Was that crazy? You I'm just dropping bombs. You're dabbling watchmaking now. Yeah. But I don't dabble in watchmaking. But I'm okay. Gonna, but I you know kid. about it. He has an appreciation. I, 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 You're not wearing a watch right now. I know my phone. My phone does everything I need. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, I, I, I definitely, I hear what you're saying and everything because you know, I definitely, like, again, bring back up my endo and everything. I was doing it, and I had that. You know, this is crush. his first end. I you can tell. You can tell it's my first end, but I just <laughs> he's talking like he's been doing this for years. <laughs> Basically, oh, yeah. Man. So 
but uh, the, the one thing is like I did something and then I looked for for a crutch. I had the endodontist come in, take a look. They're like, oh yeah, Matt, you're doing great. I was like, can I continue? And they're like, yeah, you can't do that though. You know, you're you're the head honcho, you're the one doing your thing. So like if you have an issue or whatever, like what do you do to you know mitigate that? Or you know, if you're like, okay, I'm not exactly sure. What do you do then? Is it just like one more time? If you have an issue with what? Like you're doing endo, for instance. Like I did mine today, and when I was doing my endo, I was like, okay, I'm not exactly sure. I have the endodontist come in in school and take a look. What do you do as like the head honcho in the practice doing your thing? You know, you're the guy. What do you do then if you're not exactly? You gotta go full send. You full send it. Always full send. Okay. I think I think one of the most common situation you'll find yourself in if you are going with with that approach or like, what do you do? Is, you know, let's say, for example, like maybe, you know, you have like a maxillary molar, mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're going to attempt endo on and you can always pave your way with words with the patient and say, hey, I'm going to get in here. There's a, there's a, you know, really like up value the MB2, you know, it's like there's a very intricate little anatomy, little canal that happens in 90% of these teeth and, uh, but it's very difficult to find. I don't have a microscope. I don't have certain things you know mm-hmm. like complementarian you don't use that word but yeah. you know things and some of them are still cool with that like they're still gonna let you like you know go because again they don't want to leave the practice or something but they don't want to pay extra like or pay extra a specialist yeah. or something so you try your best and and if you're if you're experiencing just not really getting a, a very predictable glide path or not getting full length or finding an mb2 or something where you just know maybe you're going to decrease the prognosis of the tooth Mm -hmm. it's again very humbling but it's um it's not a bad idea sometimes to just you know close up a tooth cotton pellet and cabinet you you know set them up over and again do what i what i said just try to make it as like seamless as possible Mm -hmm. so that they don't even have to think twice and they can just feel like, you know what? Like you tried mm-hmm. and now I got to go to the, where I was going to go anyway. Cool. So then you just, and then that's just seamless referral. Exactly. Because, but you at least attempted it. So you put your good faith into it. There's, yeah. There's an eventually a point where you just are like, man, I'm wasting a lot of time. Like I'm not going to improve mm-hmm. on the difficulty of encounter. So, you know, you, you, you might get a little bit kind of like you go back to it once or twice and say, no, I can get this. Gotcha. But there eventually gets to the point where you put the hand piece down. Because maybe you, you can't find that in me too. So as a result, you're now like gouging a tooth trying to find it. Like, is that going to decrease prognosis? It might, you know? So again, there comes a point where it's kind of like the early on guys, you know, and girls like the D1s and the pre-dents, like there's going to be a time in these practicals and in these situations you're in. And maybe when you start working on patients, we just got to know when to put the handpiece down. Mm-hmm. Because again, when I try to add the wax to my canine, I probably should have just, maybe I was a millimeter or two off the full length. At the end, I was like seven, eight millimeters off the full length. Maybe I would have gotten out of failing grade. It was two millimeters off because I wanted to get, you know, like cute, I guess, you know, I ended up burning half my root off. So the hardest thing is knowing when to put the handpiece down. But sometimes it's just, it's just, it's less stressful on you and you, you tried your best and that's it. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like a lot of times you got to like check your ego. You got to put pride aside. You know, you got to be honest with yourself and with your patient. You do. And that's like, okay. like you said, that's the best policy. The moment, the moment that you start to get kind of cocky is the time when you get a really difficult case that comes into oh, your yeah. chair. Yeah. No, I, I, I tell patients that 
I, I say it looks easy, but I'm not going to say it's easy because then, boom, that's when it turns to be difficult. Bro, you see like, oh my God, this tooth is cake. This thing's coming right out. No shot. You, you see a molar sitting in there and there's a whole mushroom cloud underneath the roots. You're like, oh, this thing's going to be a finger extraction. Not a chance. That's all granulation <laughs> tissue. Grabbing it back down, say you're going nowhere. Uh-huh. You Even know? those two teeth we took out on that lady, you know, that number 18 and that 20, I think. It was. Yes. Root tips. Bro, bro, we got yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. We were in there sweating. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. That was so, premolar. It was. So let's so let's talk about um so he showed me this totally different protocol, different armamentarium for surgery. So let let's go a little bit into um I mean we are diving deep clinical today, you know what I'm saying? So let's uh let's talk a little bit about this. And Stephanie, you can like ask questions. So have you like um visualized how you're gonna extract it? Yeah, Matt and I have talked about it. Yeah. We've gone kind of through the procedure just a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Did you? Did you? Did he give you the paper, the Kalish guide to oral surgery? Oh, no, I haven't no, seen that one yet. Yeah. Patent pending on that one. Every every uh, <laughs> D two in my clinic has it. Really? Yeah, I'll give it to That's you. That's a real deal. But you need the Rokay guy. Uh, yeah, so the Rokay I'm gonna mention. By the way. Yeah. Um, we'll figure out a way where we can send up uh, like my email or some at the end yeah. where these like materials I give shout outs to. Right. We get to, I mean, honestly, I'm not like very bougie. Like I just go to eBay and I've yeah. like, found <laughs> like some, everybody else, yeah. you know, some yeah. cheaper kind of version. It works. And so I can definitely give like, right. you know, if you email me or something, I can we, we can put your email and we can put anything in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's, so let's get into this. Um, yeah. Armentarium and everything for the surgery. Well, well, I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head here, Seth, with, with Stephanie. You said, have you already thought about it? I think, what's that saying? Like, if you don't prepare, you fail or, to prepare, you know, yeah. whatever that saying is. Yeah. So <laughs> it's so, like, true because if you haven't already mentally looked at the x-ray and visualized one or, like, two or three scenarios of how the tooth can go, you probably are under-preparing. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, you know, you really leave yourself open to okay, the, the root tip broke off in there. Like, what do I do now? Or what's the next step? And so you're trying to figure that out at the time of when it happened. And that's usually like when you're like, you know, like your adrenal glands are firing, you're stressed out, like you can't think straight, you know? So like you almost do yourself a disservice. So I think that's, that's always like the first key. Like, okay, you know what you're getting yourself into. You know your scope. That's just like bottom bare bones basics, okay? From there, what you know like working smarter not harder there's definitely certain things that i have um, seen or different mentors that have kind of maybe i've seen them using these kind of things or these instruments and um like i said earlier in the dr like dr mark hermes he really showed me like the term purchase point you know i think like i was like i don't know what that was but then it gelled to me later on um i like to use like a lot of spade spade instruments um they make like a spade elevator they'll make like a spade luxator spade proximator i really like the spade head because it's it's very like severing you know that pdl i was like no chance Mm -hmm. for that for that so that that's basically it looks like a an arrowhead it's like a triangle like uh, a little card yeah yeah game card i'm I'm gonna pull up a photo here um that always, after the periosteal elevator, kind of loosening that that initial kind of circular epithelium around the, the, the tooth or the root, like that initially, I'll go and switch. If I haven't made myself a little, um, I like sometimes making very, very conservative, um, uh, the gum tissue in between the two teeth, maybe where you're going to start purchasing, 
um, maybe just take a little bit of a 15 blade or something, go into that papilla and, and then kind of just free that up a little bit because what that allows you to do is to dive these instruments even deeper. And so I'll use these spade luxators, approximators, and I'll always, it's almost like, you know, when you're preparing like an implant and you always go from like the pilot drill to like the fatter drills. Mm -hmm. It's almost like with these spade instruments or like, especially the spade uh, approximator that I use, it really, like, I love seeing the spade head disappear a little bit mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> because I know I'm advancing my purchase point, you know, like, and, and, and it's not a, these very fine instruments, I was, I was telling, you know, Seth here, like, cause you, you know, he was using some of them when he was uh, with me here a few weeks ago. You don't really elevate with them because they're very fine or they're very thin. So you do more of like a buckle to lingual kind of severing motion. It's like apical. cutting the PDL, yeah. yeah. It's like an apical kind of motion. There's no force, it down. really. Just let the instrument do the work. And then I'll switch to a spade elevator by ProDance. Uh, which is a little fatter. So it's almost like the pilot drill and then you start getting into the drills of the, of the uh, implant. You're just expanding and you're, you're, you're making this alveolus, you know, the bone just much more expanded. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you get really, really good luxation on the tooth. Mm -hmm. And then you can switch to, I use a, uh, it's like a maxillary um, universal forcep, but it has these little extensions on the end of the forcep. So what that allows you to do is get a deeper grab on the root. And then try to get under the frication and everything, right? Well, well, it's more of like for maxillary teeth. So we're really not dealing with the frication teeth on the oh, top. Oh, okay. So it's like a, it's like a forcep, uh, again, prodense. Um, just think in theory, if you can grab onto the root at a more apical level, you get a better torque on the tooth and the less chance of like maybe like breaking the root. The problem with a lot of these, you know, like universal, like a, a 150, is like it's so fat mm -hmm. and it doesn't allow you to really grab a lot of like the root. So sometimes you'll like use these and break the crown off like the gum line. Yeah. And now it's like, ooh, now I got to go after like a more difficult kind of extraction. But, you know, essentially you want to make, you want to get, you know, start luxating the tooth with these spade approximators. You go to more of like a, you know, a spade elevator 301. Once you got that tooth really moving in a lot of directions, you can either make a judgment call to switch to your, um, you know, your maxillary universal with extension tips, or, you know, you can continue to just, there's nothing wrong with just continuing to elevate on the tooth. I mean, eventually, um, one of my mentors told me to, like, if you're having a, have, having a tough time with a tooth, take a little break, have them bite on some gauze, walk out, do what you need to do for maybe a few minutes. What you find is that that bleeding hemorrhage and that PDL will help kind of loosen up the tooth. So when you come back, if the tooth's been bleeding, uh, then it, it sometimes gets a little looser. So, there's nothing wrong with, you know, elevation and stuff. But another thing I love to, to use is like my, um, I had a oral surgeon that was working with me for a few, like a few, like a year or so, Dr. Oleg Kalso. And he, he really showed me the art. And I'd love to show you this, Stephanie, the, the art of using the cowhorn forcep. I feel like there's like one way you might learn how to use it, but there's like a figure eight motion that oh, yeah. really mm -hmm. just changes the game up. Mm -hmm. It really using that cowhorn in a figure eight motion mm -hmm. really just provides more luxation. And then the tooth just barring any curves in the roots or anything, if it's pretty straightforward, I mean, this tooth, this tooth has no chance. I would love for her to be able to do that. But the problem is the tooth is bombed out. Like I've seen crime Got scene it. photos, less disgusting than this tooth. So <laughs> okay. I, I, it's probably going to turn, I wouldn't say surgical, but sure. it looks like we're going to have to gotcha. section because it yeah. looks the whole buckle aspect of the tooth 
is just bombed out with the K. You could stick a probe like six millimeters sure. through it, you know? Sure. And I, I thought about that too. You just sink a counterhorn, just grab and try to just grab it up. But it doesn't seem like it's going to. Yeah. But again, you bring up the handpiece, it's a little more fun. It is a little more fun. <laughs> My biggest thing with the handpiece is just you, you've got to be really careful with yeah. you and not misjudging your section. Because mm -hmm. I've been there where you were off a millimeter and you didn't get the frication. And, and, and there's a lot of difficulties that come with that yeah a lot of mm -hmm. not fun you know but yeah i mean absolutely i think more with experience i, I got more into the habit of okay let's do the really movement let's get the handpiece out mm -hmm. yeah and let's let's just divide and conquer so yeah. are you when he's describing this i know you guys might not know the uh names of the instruments yet but are you able to kind of like start visualizing this in your head oh yeah absolutely like, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 but like, I really think like, if you go through the motions in your head first, like literally just sit with your eyes closed for a minute, I know it's weird. And then you like, <laughs> think about what you're going to do. I think you're able to you get, you get it down in your brain, then your hand can do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, right? they, they've done like medical studies on this kind of stuff. Like if you like visualize what you're going to do before you actually do it. And I can't remember what it, whether it was like in athletics or something, yeah. like the outcome is like so much better. Yeah. Even like with muscles, like you can just like flex your muscles, like pretend that you're lifting weights and like you will actually experience yeah. muscle growth. Like I watched like 10 Wizzy videos before and just over and over and over before because it, it's a little different because there's more like vital structures like way, way in the back there, sure. right? Um, lingual nerve, all that stuff. So, you know, new artery for that matter. Too. Yeah, but like, like I got one out in six minutes, but that was because I just and I, it was impacting too yeah. you know but you had to sit there and go through the motions and stuff but yeah so anything else for oral surgery here um no i really love using the ash forcep it's like a ash, beak yeah. for the lower teeth it's a go-to mm -hmm. very go-to that kind of corkscrew motion those teeth come out those singular mm -hmm. roots there's no there's no match you know? it's right. just teeth trucking yeah one after the other yeah. Yeah. corkscrew action um yeah, I mean, just know your vital structures. I think it's always a little sketch when you got to lay a flap in the premolar area on the lower, mm -hmm. you know, because it's like mental nerve and definitely don't want to do any releasing incisions in that area. Yeah. But, you know, just get good at the, at the basics, you know, good flap, good suture. I mean, I'm doing a lot of um, socket preservations, you know, it's starting to get more predictable. I think my, my, my suturing game is still a little bit kind of like not as fluid because I don't do that many of them. Um, it's also an art to have your assistant really help assist you retract certain vital structures like the tongue and the cheek and allow you to really work the suture, setting the knob mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So I think it's just, um, you know, oral surgery is, is the best thing you can do is just prepare like for the, the worst. Expect the best and you mm -hmm. know, prepare for the worst. All right. So Stephanie, before that one, J.B. Resnick, J-A-Y-B Resnick. He does, okay. it's called Oral Surgery Online. He's got a ton of videos. I can write yeah. that down. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. It's your boy Matt Havis back at it. And that'll do it for our episode with Dr. Jose Roque, the clinical lion practicing out of Greenberg Dental and Orthodontics. He sat down. He discussed everything on how to handle yourself and how to handle situations with patients. If you have a less than stellar prognosis with a tooth, whatever may happen, anything that could go sideways during procedures. So very, very good episode, you know, very difficult conversations to have with patients and stuff like that. We appreciate the information that he provides and how he handles or would handle these situations should they arise in his office. So as always, follow us on Instagram at dental.student.vibes. 
Give us a like, comment, and review. Let us know what you think of the episode. We'd love to have him back on. Let us know what we can do and what we could discuss with him in order to make this the best episode we can for you. Let's get this high-yield information out to all of you future top one percenters. So as always, stay safe and vibe on.